This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. This is Jesse. How's it going? I'm going well. Good, good. Yep, I got a good pile of new releases here. Okay. Hey, you remember last week, or last time, or last podcast, which was uh, two weeks ago, or a fortnight, as Tony would say, (laughs) um, we talked about Alan Castor's year's best science fiction, Mm -hmm. that best Mm -hmm. of collection. Well, we just got another one right on the heels of that one. It's called Aliens Rule, edited by Alan Castor. It's got three stories on it. Um, Cool. James Van Pelt's How Music Begins. It says the description is a junior high school band director struggles to keep the band members' spirits up after they've been shanghaied by unknown and unseen aliens. Hmm. Nice. (laughs) I never heard of that story. So all all three of these uh, have to do with aliens. Aliens rule. Okay, in um, Okanagan Falls by Carolyn Ives Gilman. A housewife subtly resists forcible relocation of her townspeople by an alien military captain. And then last is uh, Laws of Survival by Nancy Cress. Um, it says, in order to stay alive, a woman must make dogs act correctly for aliens. I've not even seen this on their uh, website yet. Yeah, it says um, the note that was with it is release mm-hmm. date of 10-4. So oh. on October... Early October. About okay. a month from now, yeah. Oh, cool. we got a pre-release. You bet. I guess we should uh, hop on the review on that, huh? Heck yeah. Get yeah. some jacket art on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Cool. That's right. Excellent. All right. Uh, cool. Okanagan Falls, um, if it's spelled the right way, it would be a... Um, uh, it's near here. It's a O-K-A-N-O-G-G-A-N. Uh, I think that's right. Okay. Nice. Okay, um, full cast audio sent us a pair of titles. Um, the first one is Emperor Mage by Tamora Pierce, or Tamara Pierce, I'm sorry. Um, the gods are angry and trouble is brewing in Karthak. Uh, it's read by Tamara Pierce and the full cast family. Uh, this is book three of the Immortals series, very popular YA series. Um, read by the full cast, so... Um, Excellent which I enjoy very much, and you'll be excited about this one probably, Robert A. Heinlein, <laughs> Red Planet, uh, read, okay. read by our friend Bill DeFries and the full cast family. Interesting. Um, yeah. I thought I thought that came out a while ago. It actually did, um, but we just got the review copy, so oh. uh, I think it came out uh, two months ago. Neato. Yep, so originally 1949. They, they've right. done like five or six of those uh, Heinleins. They have, yeah. Uh, the one that I remember is uh, Have Spacesuit, Will Travel. That might really, have been their first one, yeah. really enjoyed that one, yeah. I don't They're know that I've heard that. the other ones. I think that uh, you've been reviewing them. We're trying to. Uh, I'm not uh, not as fast as I should be. Oh, I have guess. you got some uh, in, I, your, I, in your queue? I've got a bunch, but I, I can't remember which ones I've reviewed and which ones I've wa- uh, listened to. Or... Oh, okay. <laughs> they all sort of blend together, but they're all, uh, there's never been uh, a single flaw with any of the full cast audio stuff I've heard. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I enjoy that one. Or I, w- I, I hope to enjoy this one. I, w- I want to listen to it. Yeah, go for it. Um, great. 
Okay, we've got two in from Tantor. Tantor Media. Tantor.com. Um, the first one is The White Plague by Frank Herbert. They're doing a lot of uh, Frank Herbert's fiction that uh, is not Dune-related. Um, Which is probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been really getting into Frank Herbert. We talked about Dune Messiah, and mm-hmm. I do need to still uh, finish that review, but it's it's like turning into a term paper or whatever, because I, <laughs> I keep, uh, like, I'm, I've got this book, uh, The Road to Dune, um, which I actually reviewed on audio. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's but, but I grabbed the, the hard copy book from the library, and I'm uh, uh, reading into some of the things that were going on right around Dune Messiah and how uh, uh, John W. Campbell didn't like it. And I've also got a book called The John W. Campbell Letters, which I just love. I'm thrilled to... Not enough telepathy or something. (laughs) Too much, actually. Well, no, no, not telepathy. He wasn't fond of uh, some of the things in that book, but... Okay. But anyway, then I found, um, not on audio, but I found the book of Frank Herbert. You recommended that, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm starting to look at that. And then now we get in The White Plague by Frank Herbert, which is one of his other novels. Um, the White Plague tells of one man's revenge, of the man watching from the window who was pushed over the edge of sanity by the senseless murder of his family, and who, reappearing several months later as the so-called madman, unleashes a terrible vengeance upon the human race. For John Rowe O'Neill is a molecular biologist who has the knowledge, and now the motivation, to devise and to disseminate a genetically carried plague, a plague for which there is no antidote but one that zeroes in unerringly and fatally on women. As the world's politicians and scientists strive desperately to save themselves and their society from the prospect of human extinction, so does Frank Herbert grapple with one of the great themes of contemporary life, the enormous dangers that lurk at the dark edges of science. I think I reviewed the uh, abridged version, which came out uh, in the 80s. I'm not 100% sure I reviewed it, but if so, we'll link to it. Um, It's uh, set in Ireland and maybe Northern Ireland and um, Ireland uh, and New York City, I think. Uh And it's it's um, it's actually like not future. It's not set in the future, Mm -hmm. but it is. um, You know, it's it's like an end of the world novel, sort of. Gotcha. Or disaster novel. It's a, it's it's got a very highly motivated character in it. Okay. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's it's quite good. I, I enjoyed the abridged version, anyways. Yeah. Now, now I listened to another Frank Herbert called Whipping Star. It's also out by Tantor. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I reviewed that for SFF Audio. I think I might have reviewed that for um, Audiophile Magazine, which um, I haven't been reviewing for them for a while now. Um, but Whipping Star was another... It was very good. Um, kind of hard to describe that one. Yeah, weren't you saying that it was like a, a sort of the same themes as Dune? Um, possible, Possibly similar. I don't know that I believe that anymore. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember there was there's aliens that... I think the similarity is probably that aliens or biological entities are required to focus in order to s- travel in space. Um, yeah, okay, so that's like... Yeah, the, so um, I think that's a similar thing, and, and in this case, uh, you know, it's an alien race, and in uh, Dune, it's they're kind of uh, mutated humans, I think. I don't think that they're aliens. No, I don't think there's any aliens in... Yeah, in, in the Dune universe. 
But anyway, <coughs> sorry, Whipping Star, also from Tantor, so um, keep your eyes open for that. Okay. Now, uh, drum roll. Uh, the Coming of Conan the Sumerian. Okay. Right? <laughs> We've been waiting for that one. Uh, I wonder if they just ran out of stock on that. Maybe it was really on popular. Conan? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It uh, took what, what a while for it to arrive, right? Oh, um, yeah, it did, but I don't know. I'm not sure what occurred there. The, the release date was June of 2009. Mm-hmm, but um, it just came like a... Yeah, uh, it just came this week. Stuff. Yep, you bet. And um, it's 18 hours long, 18 and a half hours long, actually. Um, this is a collection of stories by Robert E. Howard. Now, you know, I know nothing about Conan, um, so... You know, you can take it from here. Is Robert E. Howard? Did he write novels or mostly short stories? Uh, he there's one Conan novel, and that might be. I, th- I think that's his only novel. Um, it was all short stories, mostly for Weird Tales, and um, all the Conan stuff I believe was for Weird Tales. Okay. There's uh, he wrote a ton of other fiction for uh, all the other pulp magazines as well, mm-hmm. like um, fight stories and sports stories and all sorts of stuff. Okay. Yeah, and this one's uh, narrated by Todd McLaren. He's a Tantor guy. Um, okay. Yep, so it's narrated by Todd McLaren, and um, here's what's included. Um, the Phoenix on the Sword. The Frost Giant's Daughter. The God in the Bowl. The Tower of the Elephant. The Scarlet Citadel. Queen of the Black Coast. Black Colossus. Iron Shadows in the Moon. Zuthal of the Dusk. The Pool of the Black One, Rogues in the House, The Veil of Lost Women, and The Devil in Iron. So those are the stories included, and it's uh, it's a good package. It's it's really nice looking. Uh, they put some good art on it too. I listened to the introduction to it, and okay. uh, the the main thing that they're they're saying it, that's different about this particular collection than any other collection is that it's put out in the order of publication. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, normally uh, we get stories of Conan's life from the Lancer editions and the Tor editions and such. They were put out in the order of uh, when he is youngest to oldest, mm-hmm. um, and that was not how they originally published, right? Oh, I see. And the idea, the in, the guy who introduced the book says that um, it's better to have it the original way because uh, that's what would have wanted. Yeah, yeah. I whenever, mean, whenever I read a series, I always try to read it in order of publication. I don't really care that this is a prequel or whatever. Yeah, I that, always I prefer agree, order of publication. That. Yeah, I agree with that. But um, he goes a little longer into into it because he's saying that um, they're they're originally told out of order, right? So he's young. He actually the first stuff I think he's a king, and then later on we get. Um, you know, um, back and forth in his life, and um, the idea is that uh, if you talk to an old adventurer, he's not going to start at the beginning of his life and tell you his life story. He's going to just whatever you know, whatever reminds him of something, is going to come up, and he'll tell you that story. And then another time, you know, you're in another situation, and he recalls another event in his life, right? Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting way of putting it, but yeah, it's, it's got a it's got a hefty introduction. Okay. Well, yeah, there's a, a lot of Conan interest I know, and 
you know, I don't know why. I've never actually never read one, so. Well, maybe uh, you should. Maybe I ought to. Yeah. <laughs> it's good fantasy. Yeah, well, good. Yep. All right. And then I have one more to talk about. Okay. Um, Metatropolis, the dawn of uncivilization. Um, Did Kurt do our review of the uh, audio version, or was that you? That was me. Okay. Me, yeah. Um, So when it originally came out, it came out at Audible, so it was digital only. Mm -hmm. Um, It was exclusive to audio, which is also not true anymore, or just about not to be true. You mean uh, exclusive to, uh, you know, downloadable, right? Uh, Well, it used to be... Yeah, when it originally came out, it was exclusively downloadable, exclusively audio, meaning you couldn't buy it in print. Oh, and I you got You couldn't you. buy a hard copy. Right. So now I've got a hard copy uh, on audio CDs um, from Brilliance Audio. Mm-hmm. And also Subterranean Press is publishing a book. I, You know, what I'm thinking is that... Um uh, Audible, and since Audible is owned by Amazon, and Amazon owns Brilliance, yep. Brilliance is the one who are releasing the CDs. It's basically, Brilliance is now the hard copy version of any audio produced by uh, um, Audible Frontiers. Yeah, yeah. And that's an interesting thing to me, because you know, I get the impression that uh, digital downloads are the way to go, and, oh, yeah. and that uh, that segment is growing by leaps and bounds every year. Except for the library versions, right? Right. Except I think for the, the brilliance. Yeah. I think brilliance can sell sell that to the libraries and mm-hmm. and make a lot of people happy, especially yeah. people who don't have Audible. Accounts. But it's interesting, you know, the the copies that we get, they are not library versions. Um, if a library bought this, they would have to buy um, a, a new case and things because they're just CDs and sleeves. Right. This is this would be the retail version right here. So this is what you'd see at uh, Barnes and Noble or Borders or somewhere like that. Um, but it's interesting that um, that it's worth it to them, even after all the sales on Audible, to release it on hard copy. There's got to be a incentive to do so, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, so uh, they must be making money on the hard copies as well. So I mean, I just find it interesting. Oh, that's the plan, right? It seems like uh, you know the rest of the industry is going the opposite direction. Um, but. Uh, well, uh, the thing is, is they've they've already produced it. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's no cost. But it's there. just it's just it's just putting you know more more uh, options for purchase. Yeah, sure. Because a lot of people won't. I know a lot of people won't use Audible just because of the DRM, and this uh, is a DRM-free version, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So that's that's true. That is true. Yep. <coughs> okay. You, you'll have it forever, no matter whether uh, Audible survives or not. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and um, speaking of Audible, I noticed the other day, um, I'm calling up the website right now, they they have opened up another new line of um, audiobooks. They're calling it Audible Modern Vanguard. Right. And some of the ones that are included in there are uh, Kurt Vonnegut titles. Right. Um, one of my favorite books of all time is A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. And that's mm-hmm. included in there too. It's not uh, not science fiction, um, but the Kurt Vonnegut's, you know, they're on the edge of science fiction there, and and they're included. They just call it. Uh, I'll just read you the description of what they say this new imprint is. Uh, For too long, important works from groundbreaking authors have been unavailable on audio. With the launch of Audible Modern Vanguard, we're excited to offer these classic contemporary favorites and unabridged audio, many for the first time. 
we're working with the best narrators, producers, and engineers to bring you these original productions. So, Some of the authors that are included in this first wave, I mentioned Kurt Vonnegut, but here's some of the others. Paul Oster, Daniel Barthelme, I don't even know who that is, Saul Bellow, John Cheever, Brett Easton Ellis, Betty Frieden, John Irving, William Kennedy, Randy Schiltz, and uh, Kurt Vonnegut. So for you Vonnegut fans, um, there are one, two, three, four, five, five audiobooks there. Galapagos, God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, Mother Night, Player Piano, and The Sirens of Titan. Galapagos has been released as a, a bridge version pr- previously. It's it's science fictiony. Uh huh. Yeah, let me see who narrated the Galapagos in this one. Jonathan Davis. Oh, I love him. He's great. Yeah, he's good. Good reader. Yeah. And Sirens of Titan is. Oh, cool. I, I don't know how to say this guy's last name. Dennis, and it's B O U T S I K A R I S. Um really like him too okay uh, when i when i first heard him he he was reading a um dean Koontz novel called fear nothing fairly sure that's the same guy i'm looking up to make sure now um i guess i could be completely wrong but uh, if it is the same guy he's really really good So, yeah, but Audible's been hard at it again. They just, uh, you know, they're, they're just releasing so much stuff. It's incredible. You know, uh, I'm interested in how they're uh, cooperating with Brilliance Audio, you know, now that they're all under the same roof. I, I don't think they are under the same actual roof, but they certainly are under the same corporate corporate umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Brilliance is somewhere south of... Of, of um, like physically somewhere south of Newark where uh, Audible is. Okay, I'm completely wrong, so erase what I said. Different guy? Fear Fear Nothing is read by Keith, another name I can't pronounce. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, I, I just group all names I can't pronounce into one pot. <laughs> one guy. Um, but Fear Nothing was narrated by Keith, S-Z-A-R-A-B-A-J-K-A. And he is fantastic. So... <laughs> I'm sure the other guy is too, but uh, he didn't narrate Fear Nothing, and therefore I haven't heard him. Um, I don't believe. So you were saying there was um, uh, a new Ian Banks audiobook? Yeah, um, from SF Signal, I read a, a report that the Times Online said that the new Ian M. Banks novel, which is called Transition... Mm-hmm. It's going to be serialized for free on iTunes um, as an audiobook, but it says as an abridged audiobook. So serialized on o- iTunes? On, on iTunes, yeah. As an audiobook here's, here's or a the, podcast? Yeah, here's the news story. I'll just read it. Ian Banks's latest novel, Transition, is to become the first newly published book to be serialized internationally on iTunes. Publisher Little Brown Book Group has agreed a deal with Apple to make an abridged audio version of the novel available as a free podcast. The first podcast will go live on September the 3rd when the novel is published. A further 22 episodes, each 15 minutes long, will be released on iTunes in Britain and America every Thursday and Saturday for 12 weeks. Hmm. Neat. Yeah, I'm just wondering um, how that, what that has to do with with Apple 
per se, because if it's a podcast, it can be gotten through any podcatcher. If it's, well, it if depends it's a, on yeah what the iTunes what? store, then it's mm-hmm. not a podcast, okay. right? If it's in the uh, audiobook section, that's they've had some ex- you know Audible runs the audiobook section of sure. Apple's iTunes. Yeah, um, it is interesting how they they've worked all that out, but um, it says will be released on iTunes in Britain yeah. and America, so. What they're calling a podcast is going to be in iTunes. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it might might be something. Uh, I'll, I'll I just wonder if it, it requires, um, uh, you know, a paid audible, uh, paid Apple account, because oh. you don't need you don't need that for um, just running your Apple Apple iPod uh-huh. through iTunes. But you do you do need, need to like, get free content? Have you ever gotten free content? Anything other iTunes? than the podcast section. You need you need to have an Apple oh, do account because I get you know, every you now and then them. I get some free video you know where it says hey this is the first episode of this show check it out for but free but you still have to have but I do I do have a paid account I do but you do have to have put in a credit card yes so I, I can't get any um, free TV shows out of it if there are any mm-hmm. because uh, I don't have a, a paid Apple oh I see account yeah. I just have an iPod oh, I see. So well, I wonder. I wonder what what it'll be. I guess we'll find out. Okay. Yeah, we will find out pretty soon from now. When it says on iTunes in Britain and America every Thursday and Saturday, that includes Canada. <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> now Canada, you don't have. Do you have an Audible? Yeah, there's Canada? a there's a separate. No, there's not a separate Audible uh, for Canada. But there's a separate iTunes for Canada, which is weird. Really. Huh. Yeah. So like, uh, if you go to the, the. Um, the TV section of the Apple iTunes store, uh-huh. uh, then you will not be able to get some things that are available in the I states. See. I see. Hmm. And Audible has a separate uh, UK service for um, for that, but I, I don't. I would assume that the iTunes works similarly. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to this bank. So the culture novels are things that I've been meaning to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have the the player of games on my bookshelf on my to read shelf. Um, it's been there for a while, but I know I need to grab it. But you know, the only exposure I've had to the culture so far is an audio drama I got off of Radio Archive. Oh, really? Um, called State of the Art. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. from BBC. Really liked it. Really liked that. Um, I thought it was terrific. It's kind of almost. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, was is the first thing that leaps to mind when I think about it because there is a humor to it, mm-hmm. um, you know. So it's it's kind of a Discworld Hitchhiker's Guide, but you know, still still a little bit different. More, um, I don't know. I want to use the word uh, intelligent, but that's that's probably not the right word because <laughs> all all of it's intelligent. It's just right. Um, um, it's like hard science fiction, you know. But but there were some things in Hitchhiker's Guide that were kind of like that too. But um, well, I don't remember a lot of hard oh, science. Oh, it was fun. It was good stuff. Oh yeah, but it, I don't yeah. remember it being hard science fiction <laughs> per se. <laughs> well, you know, when he's talking about the odds of things happening and uh, stuff okay, like that, all right, that's all good. I think it was more, you know, what's what's funny. What's yeah, what's yeah, funny. for sure, for sure. Um, but anyway, I thoroughly liked it. So if the culture novels are anything like the state-of-the-art audio drama from BBC, mm-hmm. um, I would have to say that I would love them. 
we can't go wrong with uh, a free podcast. If it's a free podcast, I'm sure we'll have everybody signed up to listen to it. Yeah, and it's interesting that they're releasing it abridged. It doesn't say unabridged. It says it's wow, well, that's so that they can sell the abridged exactly. for, uh, unabridged version. Exactly later. right. So I mean, I think that that's terrific. You know, they they ought to do that. Yeah, that's kind of neat. You know, take an excerpt from the novel that's maybe a standalone story or something, and uh, to release it on audio—that's terrific idea. You're going to be able to sell the next next books, all the people who get into it. Absolutely. Cool. Um, there's a similar story uh, on Boing Boing. I, I spotted a similar story. Um, Jeff Ryman um, is looking for a composer to uh, set his uh, novel, The Child Garden, to uh, music um i guess he's doing he's there's a lot of music in the story mm-hmm. and he wants to add that to the reading i'm not sure if if it goes underneath the the text i'm gonna hate it mm-hmm. generally that that ruins a perfectly yeah. good reading but if it's if it's you know uh sequence and then you see some some music and then back to reading that might work mm-hmm says, I'm looking for a composer to collaborate on a podcast project, an audio version of my novel, The Child Garden. The novel is part of a, uh, is part, is in part about a musician who sets all of Dante's divine comedy to music. I'm hoping to provide excerpts from this fictional opera as part of the podcast, short interludes of contemporary classical music for orchestra and voice, to be sung in Italian. Huh. It would be used in key scenes as signature music for the serial podcast. So it doesn't sound like it's going to be yeah. ruinous. Right, right. Um, and so he's like, he's advertising for a composer for an upcoming podcast version of his novel. Well, that's neat. Yeah, it's it's kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Bear reviewed the book saying, uh, science fiction of a very high order. So ah, nice. Hopefully it's... Um, going to come out soon. You bet. I, I guess it'll take a while to make that music, but... Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got one more new release, or oh, okay. recent arrival that I forgot about. Um, I don't know how, but... <laughs> um, my son is listening to um, Simon Bloom, The Octopus Effect, um, by Michael Reisman. Mm-hmm. It's a YA book. You know, all of these terms, YA and middle grade and everything, you know, I get on a random house audio, and mm-hmm. they call it juvenile fiction. So yeah. I, I don't know what official terms or what, but I've heard uh, middle grade and YA being thrown around. And um, Anyway, it's for young folks. <laughs> okay. And uh, he reviewed the first one uh, for SFF Audio, and the review is out there. He absolutely loved it. It was What called, was the first one? It's called Simon Bloom, The Gravity Keeper. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the review of that. Yeah. that also by Michael Reisman, yeah. Let me read you the description real fast. Mm-hmm. Simon Bloom and his friends, Owen and Alicia, aren't ordinary seventh graders. Ever since Simon became the keeper of the teacher's edition of physics and led his friends in defeating deadly Cirabetta, they've been having fun playing with the laws of physics and hanging out with their all-seeing narrator. That is, until Cirabetta escapes and sets out for revenge. Cirabetta, is that spelled C- with a C? Uh, no, S-I-R-A-B-E-T-T-A. Yep. So, now so we'll get a re- another review out of... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's well into it already. Uh, cool. Yeah, so uh, thanks to Random House for being so awesome on that, because he, he asked me, I said, 
you know, is that part two out? And I said, well, let me check. So I wrote uh, Random House, and uh, yeah, they sent it right away. They, Great. they enjoyed his review. So it's called Simon Bloom, The Octopus Effect. Unabridged, of course, right? It is unabridged, right. Excellent. Who's yeah. the reader on that? Um, Let's see, Nicholas Herman. Oh, uh, no, I don't think I know that guy. Nicholas Horman, I'm sorry. It was too small for me to read. Nicholas Horman, H-O-R-M-A-N-N. No, I don't know him. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you were mentioning Radio Archive. Um, yeah. You got State of the Art on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one I've been listening to uh, that is blowing, me, blowing my mind. Oh. Um, it's a audio drama or radio drama version from the BBC of The Star's My Destination. Oh, yeah? Uh, by... Um, uh, Alfred Bester. Alfred Bester, yeah. Right. Uh, except it was it was uh, recorded as because t- in the UK that's the the name of the um, the book as it was released there. Oh, it, was, it was released as Tiger Tiger, you said. In the UK, yeah. Okay, got you. Based on uh, obviously the uh, the, the poem, uh, yeah. The poem. Um, it says it was broadcast in uh, 1991, and. Uh, it's got it's got a big cast, but um, I I just I'm blown away by it. It's, it's got a good? oh yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I I haven't actually read this book yet, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking God, I really need to read this book. Yeah, uh, it's not available as an audiobook, which is and it's not. And it's it's very short too. It's uh, um yeah, it's a know, it's what? a thin novel. Two hundred pages maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's got a uh, it's got a sort of a guitar rock soundtrack you know in between mm-hmm. scenes um it's uh, the the actor who plays gully foil who's the main character uh-huh. is uh he's he's doing sort of like a an evil version of popeye oh which is <laughs> <laughs> really amazing um because you know popeye's got a very distinctive voice and it's it's kind of like that mm-hmm. uh the um the plot is um he starts off uh as a he's a, just a regular you know low-grade sailor with no ambition and he's in a shipwreck uh in between mars and jupiter uh, i guess hits an asteroid or something and um he's the only survivor on board the ship um, stuck in one room of the ship and slowly going insane. Six months uh, after his crash, uh, a, a, a ship is coming towards him, right? So he's all excited. And, of course, uh, it comes and it goes. It doesn't even stop. <laughs> so he swears revenge against uh, everyone in the universe, basically. Uh, somehow manages to get the ship he's in running and... Um, ends up half dead uh, at a at another asteroid uh, that is uh, called the Sargasso asteroid where he's um, he's uh, taken in and nursed back to health but um, what's really funny is is the narrator for the whole story is is the guy who is the leader of this this asteroid and he's got a he's like the he's the leader political leader but he's also the religious leader and his religion is based on Darwin. Um, and so whenever he's describing something as being good, he describes it as being scientific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, he, uh, for some other reason, tattoos. Uh, he's, he, they, expect gully fo- they have been expecting gully foil for a long time, so he's like a prophet or something. So they tattoo his face 
uh, with a, sort of a Maori-style um, facial tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he wakes up, he, he's he got all these tattoos all over him. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> of course, he doesn't want to be there, and he takes off, and he heads to Earth or... Uh, off into yeah. the rest of the. It's it's an amazing. It's like it's it, it feels it's got to be inspired by like um, the Odyssey or something like that because mm-hmm. it's got a lot of references and there's two um, two major uh, technology or plot conceits. So there's like in um, the other Bester novel, um, the Demolished Man. The, the Demolished Man. There's mm-hmm. telepathy. It works a little bit differently than in uh, The Demolished Man. And there's also something called jaunting, which is uh, teleporting. Mm-hmm. So um, the story of how this technology or this um, effect was discovered is is uh, there was a scientist and he was in his laboratory and he accidentally set himself on fire. And then he, he found he teleported to the nearest fire extinguisher. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, uh, the other scientists saw this and were very impressed, but uh, noticed that he couldn't do it without being uh, having his la- life threatened, so they tried to drown him <laughs> to reproduce the effect. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's got a very, very cynical, very mean sensibility, this whole, mm-hmm. the, not just the main character, but all the characters, or, the, you know, the... The, the universe is rather horrible. Uh-huh. Uh, it's awesome. I'm really well, enjoying cool. it. That's cool. I wonder why we've never heard of that before. I can't believe I've never heard yeah, of it Yeah, because uh, the star's my destination. You know, I, I read it so long ago, but there was a rhythm to it that would be really great on audio. Absolutely. There was, there was a, some, you know, the writing style, and there was like a song in there that I don't recall, but I remember it being really something that really stuck with me, you know, like, like a poem. Well, that's also in the Demolished Man. Yeah, there's a, there's a uh, the line of uh, the jingle he creates to. Yeah, he sings it in his head so that. Right. To keep, oh, that so would be telepaths. terrific audio drama, wouldn't it? It would be an amazing audio drama. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that hasn't been done, but uh-huh. love yeah. to. Uh, yeah, it'd be neat. Uh, but yeah, the demol the Demolished Man is a murder mystery. You know, everybody's got um, telepathy, the ability to. Uh, to hear your mind and everything, and how can a murder possibly commi- be committed in a society like that? Well, it's not technically a murder mystery because we know who the murderer is. I mean, uh, he, he, yeah. it's sort of told from his perspective. True. Yep. But um, it is a, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a thriller, and it's a detective story. But right. it's, it's, um, how, will the murderer be caught, and how, if so, how? Mm-hmm. And how can you get away with murder? Yeah, how can you get away with murder in a... When everyone knows your thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific book. (laughs) Uh, It's also available as an audiobook, but it's not uh, on Audible. It's it's probably not even in print. I didn't even know that. It's out of the UK. I think it's ISIS. We talked about this briefly. Oh, did we? Yeah. All right. I'm sure I was very interested then, too. (laughs) Definitely. I'm sure you were. Definitely needs to be redone uh, more accessible. Now, the only only other bester now that I know of on audio is Fondly Fahrenheit, which is by Wonder Audio. And is, I believe, no longer available. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. So there was some question about uh, the the, uh, copyright on that one. Oh, shoot. Okay. Unfortunately, if you got it, I, I think you'll still have it. Um, uh-huh. I'm not 100% sure on that, but um, yeah, it, that was an amazing story. Oh, yeah. It's a good story. Amazing. Yeah. 
Well, cool. Well, the Hugo Awards were last week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Demolished Man won one of the first Hugos. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we, we had Metatropolis was on the ballot, but um, it was in dress Best Dramatic Presentation Long Form, which would have been amazing had it won, you know, because of what it was up against. But yeah, um, Wally won that uh, category. That was, you know, I think that's a pretty uh, hard act to beat oh sure <laughs> what a great film that is it's, it's just fantastic an amazingly good movie um on the in the fiction side all of the winners are available on audio which is neat um uh, the graveyard book um by neil gaiman is available um from harper collins and it's read by neil gaiman and there's a review on our site of that one and then uh the novelette is shoggoths and bloom by Elizabeth Bear, that's the story that won, and it's included in the year's best from Infinibox. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the best short story, Exhalation, by Ted Chang, is also on that collection, um, the year's best, um, but it was also um, on Starship Sofa. Yeah, as I think uh, Shagatsen Bloom was on Escape Pod as well. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, I think that so. I didn't know. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's both included uh, in the Infinivox title. So if you get the Infinivox title, you'll have it all too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to hearing the readings on that because yeah. um, you bet. it's some amazing stuff. It is, it is. Um, so that leaves out uh, The Erdman Nexus by Nancy Kress, um, which is the best novella. And um, should be an audio version It should be an audio version of that. Be version of that. It'd be great, but I think that it's the length. I think the length... There's just not a lot of novellas on audio. Um, I'm sure if somebody, if you know, Nancy Kress offered it to Tony, he'd oh, find I'm somebody sure. to do it. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be about a two or three hour, uh, probably under two, be happy probably under two it. hours. Yeah, pretty sure about that. But even even so, uh, you could get um, it on Audible Frontiers or something. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for it not to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking back. I'm looking at 2007. The novella is A Billion Eves by Robert Reed. I haven't heard of that. That's not available either, as far as I know. Um, Let's go back one more. I just finished a novella um, that was done. Inside Job. Inside Job is available. Inside Job won, I'm sorry, the best novella in 06. Yeah. It's available on Audible. Um, but I was saying there are Audible. Audible has done novellas. I uh-huh. I heard uh, a James Salas um, crime novella uh, mm-hmm. the other day that I'm, I've got a review up coming for. Cool. And reason not to do it. That length is terrific. Really mm-hmm. terrific length for stories. Really stories is. should be more of that length, I think, than the massive volumes. Yeah. yeah. What about The Concrete Jungle by Charles Strauss? Uh, it doesn't sound like... I don't I don't think that's available. That's another uh, novella from the year before that, 2005. Yeah, it's just curious because you look through here and a lot of the short stories are audio. And The Cookie Monster by Werner Vinge. Is that available on Audible? It might be. I don't know. It doesn't sound familiar as a, a one of the titles I've seen there. Yeah. Interesting. But audio, yeah, things keep showing up on it. So, um, But yeah, I do think that the novella length is just not a typical audio length. And if they're successful on Audible, um, 
you know, that would be terrific. And I don't know that they are, I don't know that they aren't, but, um, you know, they aren't making a lot of those kind of things right now. Well, I think that, you know, it's, they're going to get to it. It's, um, it's clearly the case that the Audible Frontiers is pumping out content. It's oh, yeah. Mo- mostly novels. But yeah. yeah, mostly novels, but not all. That's not all. true, yep. yep. And they've been doing great. <laughs> really enjoy the stuff that they've got. Uh, you know, one thing that might be able to do it um, is to create a half uh, credit because a, a lot of people who use Audible are not purchasing the individual stories. They're they're using credits, so they get one month, they get you know uh, a credit to use one credit per month, and then they use it, and then uh-huh. they're gonna say, Wait, "What am I gonna get? Am I gonna get the longest thing I can get for one credit, or am I gonna get something that's you know forty five minutes long?" Mm-hmm, right. They're going to say, "Well, value for money." Uh, I'm going to get the long thing, uh-huh, but yep. it might not be a better story. It's just longer, guaranteed sure. longer. So, um, if they had a half credit system or something, that might encourage it. I know that some titles are, and not, and this is interesting. Not everybody's like this, but uh, some titles are available for uh, two credits. So you have to, you know, have enough credits to get to get uh, a title. Uh huh. Right, right. If it's a, it's a, if it's an extremely long audiobook, mm-hmm. they they require two credits. Yep. Tis so. Yeah, and uh, yeah, people aren't apt to uh, get a short story with those credits, and that's for sure. It's less likely. But Very if they likely. had a half credit system or a quarter credit system, they could they could certainly do that. Or oh yeah, yeah. Offer half credits as a bonus for loyalty or something like that. I don't know. Sure, sure. It, it, it would probably confuse the issue, and they, they want to avoid that. But mm-hmm. that'd be one all option. Yep. Or bundle bundle a few. That yeah. might work. You pick three sh- uh, half credits or whatever, and put them into or two half credits, and put them into a. You know, your card is half full. <laughs> <laughs> that might you work. Bet. You bet. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing so, at all. So, you know, I've been uh, staying up at my mother's house while she's uh, in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Um, really boring up here. There's no, uh, there's there's television. Uh-huh. There's, uh, you know, I take care of the animals and, mm-hmm. uh, but it, not much to do. So, uh, I I started playing the Wii Sports Resort that she, she has and um, it's actually pretty good. Um, it's got this new motion control um, thing you plug into the the Wii controller, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I was doing the sword fighting, which is like um, it's it, it looks very much like um, you know a lightsaber because you've got a colored stick. It's not like a, a an actual sword, mm-hmm. um, and you fight against another guy with another colored stick. And what's cool is you know when you you place it in front of you. You turn to the left, you turn to the right, it can tell what position your hand is in. So it's very much like uh, a, it's capturing your exact positioning. And that allows you to do blocks. So if you see uh, somebody coming down, swinging, uh, chopping over your head, you turn your hand so that it blocks it, and mm-hmm. it actually blocks it. Huh. And I think that's I think that's an amazing step forward for alternative controls because um, it, it, it's, it's blown me away. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a Wii 
Um, we don't have that particular game, but yeah, we've been very pleased with it. It's, it I, works I think, well. You know, uh, um, there's a lot of crappy games for we. I, 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 there's a whole bunch of them up here, but uh, this one is definitely worth the money. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's it also works with the uh, with the uh, I guess nunchuck it's called. Uh-huh. So I uh, the other the other one that's really good on this Wii Sports Resort is uh, the archery. So you have the nunchuck in- installed, and you um, you press a couple of buttons, you aim, and you have to uh, take the wind into calculation, gravity into cal- uh, you know distance, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing it doesn't have is uh, like uh, that online game Bowman. If you've ever played that one, you can't shoot against someone else. You have to just shoot targets, which uh. sucks. But <laughs> be better if you could like take turns shooting at each other. That's more- <laughs> Much better, but you know it's probably a kid-rated game or whatever. So sure, I'd like to see some more vi- more realistic violence. One, it'd be more exciting than shooting just targets. Yeah. Well, cool. That's neat. So that's what I've been doing. What so, about you? Well, not much. Not much else. I had a busy, busy couple of weeks at work. You were so. telling me though that uh, you don't actually have cable anymore. No, we actually yeah we turned all that off. We. Uh, Back in May, we just decided to do it, um, you know, for a couple of reasons. One was we were wasting a whole bunch of time. You no know, kidding. It's so easy to sit down and just flip through the channels and find something to watch that you're not interested in. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, we did it, and you know, I've got two kids. I've got one in, uh, he's going into 10th grade here next week, and... Holy cow. Yeah, <laughs> and my um, daughter is going into 4th grade. Wow. Um, but neither of them had a problem with it, and, and mostly because it's not like we don't watch television. Um, we're signed up with Netflix. Um, we have an Xbox as well. So here, you know, we got a Wii and an Xbox. It was kind of a funny deal. We we bought a Wii, and then um, there weren't very many good games for it, and we thought it was okay. And then um, my son was really wanting an Xbox, so it was like, okay. An Xbox 360, right? Yeah, an Xbox 360. So... We saved up the money for that, and then I said, "Well, there's. I really don't want to have two systems. It just seems like you know way too much game plan, you know. So we were planning on getting rid of the Wii when we bought the Xbox 360, but then they came out with the Wii Fit board, and then my wife wanted the Wii. <laughs> yeah, that's my so, mother loves that thing. Yeah, so we kept she loves it. Wii Fit. She does it every day. Yeah, yeah. So we kept it and. Um, so now we have both of them. But what's cool, and then we dropped the, the cable, so we don't have... We used to have uh, um, DirecTV, the satellite uh, DirecTV. And but do you, through, do you have through local the Xbox... Excuse me, like, what? Do you have local channels for local we news? Didn't, I haven't even hooked up an antenna. We could have, yeah. but I haven't even done it. That's um, funny. But we can have, uh, through the Xbox... See, Netflix, when you sign up for Netflix... Uh, included in your subscription price is streaming video mm-hmm. and you can stream your video through your Xbox to your TV so there's not not everything's available you know like the latest movie that's out you can't just get streaming you know mm-hmm. um, so we get DVDs in the mail and then we also can stream this video and a lot of the Disney Channel stuff that my daughter really likes is on there um, you know like Hannah Montana and uh Wizards of Waverly Place, that kind of thing. Um, hmm. So she hasn't missed at all, you know. It, it's just, in fact, it's better. She just told me the other day, this is way better because you can just decide what you want to watch, you know, and, um, you know, you're not floating around 
looking for something to watch or waiting for something to come on. Mm-hmm. And plus, there's no commercials, so yeah, that's the best part. Yeah, no, and commercials then, feel like such a waste of time. <laughs> right. But for me, the only the only reason to have it right now is for things like um, soccer games and stuff, which I yeah, really that's do for like. sure. But, uh, this morning, this morning, I watched the Liverpool game and they lost. And I'm how did you watch it? I'm heartbroken. I watched it on. I found a place online where I can watch it. Oh. I don't know of its legality. <laughs> Um, but somebody, it's, uh, I just found a place that you could just, uh, pipe it in. Hmm. Um, I also signed up with, um, the Liverpool website, which allows me to watch games delayed. Um, and that's, it was very cheap to sign up for that, so I did. Hmm. Um, but... Oh, so that's a subscription service. Yeah, it's a subscription service from the Liverpool website. So, as long as, you know, Liverpool's all I'm interested in, which, you know, isn't quite true, so... (laughs) Well, they do get to play against other teams. <laughs> they do, they do. But still, I, I always like to watch, you know, whatever, whoever Liverpool is playing. And, um, you know, I'm interested in Arsenal because I have a lot of friends who like them. And I always like to watch the highlight show, you know, what happened in all the games, kind of a summary show that, that was an hour long on Sundays. I loved that show. So I, I right now, today's opening, well, yesterday was opening day of that season. So um, I am missing that. Right now, but I'll get over it. It's not, you know, not there worth was it a, to hook up everything. And there's an anecdote that. in uh, this audiobook I just finished listening to. I think I'm gonna. I don't know if I'll do a review. I'll probably post about it. But um, it's a free audiobook called um, "Free: the The Future of a Radical Price," mm-hmm. um, and it's written by the guy who wrote a book called "The Long Tail." Uh, which is uh, you've heard the expression, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, it's he's the editor of Wired. And um, in this book, he talks. He basically looks at the history of of free um, and the the you know the the price point and the concept and and uh, in in the story he was I think he mentioned um, a an economist who in testing testing the value uh, you know what what children valued more uh, one of the things he tested was um, whether the kids would. Uh, rather watch uh, YouTube, watching homemade, you know, Lego Star Wars or actual Star Wars. They said, you know, I'll let you watch as much regular Star Wars as you want, the the, the movies, the DVDs, or you can watch uh, homemade Star Wars for two hours on on YouTube. And the kids mm-hmm. like, no, no question. It's you know not a very very scientific one, but right. his kids preferred to watch YouTube to. Uh, actual, you know, produced well, content. And that seems surprising to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true though, because you get you get the fast hits. Well, if that, they yeah, but if they hadn't seen Star Wars in the first place, well, they, they have be they interested. Have. Yeah, but they wouldn't be interested in watching. They have um, seen Star Wars. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if they hadn't, if they hadn't at some point paid to watch Star Wars, then there would be no interest in a Star Wars fan made. Oh, of course. Video, of course. right? Well, no, I don't think that's true. I think you know people can enjoy the uh, this, the uh, the parody or whatever it is uh, without. I know I've seen parodies of things I've never seen and enjoyed. Um, Star Wars is not a good example because I've seen that. Yeah, sure. 
This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.